Welcome to the Association 4.0 podcast, your association's no-fluff playbook to navigating and thriving in Industry 4.0 or the digital marketplace. Each week, we bring expert insights to help you and your association stay ahead of the curve. My name is Sherry Budziak, and I'm the host of this week's podcast. I'm here today with John Forbes, Executive Director of the American Venus Forum, and Sue O'Sullivan, President of Veritas Association Management. I'm so excited to have John and Sue here today to talk to us about their unique hybrid association management model. John and Sue, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to talk with both of you. Thank you. Thanks, Sherry. Nice to be here. So can you guys um, each tell um, us a little bit about yourselves and then about your organizations? So um, Sue, I'll start with you. So I'm Sue O'Sullivan and I have been in the association management um, world for about 25 years. We started um, Veritas eight years ago and um, we manage um, medical associations exclusively. So we don't get involved in any trade associations and that is um, just really because of where our expertise is. Great, John? Yes, I currently serve as the executive director for the American Venus Forum, which is a small medical specialty society, but I have uh, about 20 years experience in the association field, having been with American Academy of Periodontology, American Academy of Pediatrics and, and other organizations. Great. Um, so tell me a little bit about how your organizations kind of partnered in this, what I'm calling, you guys might call it something different, but this kind of hybrid management model for the association. I'll start, um, Sherry. When we, um, the American Venus Forum was struggling badly. Um, in the 2017-18 period very, very badly. And I was brought on to take a look and do an assessment of the organization from a consulting perspective. Uh, in doing so, they asked me to do about four things. One was to transition from the previous management firm to a new management firm with the contract. Two was to make sure that transition was effective and that the previous provider fulfilled their contract. Three was to onboard the new the new management firm, which is we, we chose Veritas. And the fourth position or job was to help them recruit an executive director. Um, so all that took place in in uh, late 2018. And when uh, I moved to that fourth step, which is to recruit an executive director, I had 75 candidates. I had a great pool. I was moving forward and, and making that selection and they said, not so fast. We don't have the time to onboard and change everything now that you've been doing this thing. And we like what's going on and we like the, uh, the new relationship with Veritas. So all those things were working and they said, hold on, let's stop that particular strategy and see how this can work for a while. And that was the genesis of us creating this hybrid model when we were going down the path of you know, a management firm, a typical traditional management firm. So you might comment on how you yeah. felt. Yeah, and 
And so in the beginning, when we, um, when we submitted our proposal, we knew that there was um, the possibility of an outside executive director. That was something that was always um, you know, part of the, the RFP. And although it wasn't ideal um, at the time for what we had been doing and what our experience was, you know, for us as a management company, we, we never really have the opportunity of taking over a association that is super happy and coming from a great place of trust because they're always changing because there was a problem. Mm-hmm. And so we know that when we're coming on board, the trust is the most important part and being nimble is, is extremely important to be able to make it work. And so we, um, we thought, well, how, what would that look like if we have an outside executive director? And, and through conversations, um, John and I, when we were able to really kind of um, discuss the details of how it might work um, with an outside executive director, even before we knew that it was it was going to you know end up being John, um, and I think that was really really important to have that open and transparent discussion in um, in the very beginning. Yeah, that's great. So, talk to me a little about what do you guys feel are kind of the benefits of of this um, arrangement, or you know, and I guess I'll start with you, John, from a having i'm assuming that as an executive director and you're you know reporting to a board and and focus on the strategy you've got sue's team that can help with all of all of the things that make us run right um on day to day but kind of talk to me about what you see are are the, the primary benefits well when you take a look at the results uh, we've achieved in the last uh, you know, two and a half, three years, it's been remarkable. Taking Going from uh, near-death experience uh, to thriving um, has been um, great to see. And that would not have happened without the partnership with the Veritas expertise and the teams that we've formed. Um, so I think the, the performance, I mean, our membership has gone, when we first, our first numbers we saw were fake numbers, right? Somebody said we had 900 members. When you look at the database, you go, what, what are you talking about? When Veritas came on board and filtered those, the membership database, we had 495 members. Less than two years later, we have 774, right? So to, that's a huge benefit when you can attract people who are leaving your organization and attract them back and attract new, new members. Uh, from, the, from a programming standpoint, we've had outstanding meetings. Uh, COVID, I think, uh, helped us uh, because we had to pivot in new ways. We had a successful hybrid, I mean, a, su- a successful virtual meeting this year, but we also had four webinars that we've never done before. We, our first webinar was this year. Mm-hmm. And we had four of them, very, very successful, produced over six figures of income. Wow. And um, then we also were, move towards being more of a scientifically uh, um, organized organization. Our foundation was scientific and academic. We moved away from that and tried to copy everybody else. Let's do uh, this thing, let's do that thing. Everybody's doing this thing. So they all felt that we should be doing those things. Until we uh, had a, a moment of truth, we said, we wanna be the scientific leader in the space. How do we do that? And so we've generated three new grants this year that we've never had before from three different organizations to the tune of nearly $300,000 in new income. 
So when you're able to move in that direction and the board trusts your ability to go in that direction, those are significant benefits to the society. So now overall, our, our awareness around the world is greater. Our financial performance is very, very good. Our membership is engaged, tuned in and supportive. The board is happy and the relationship we have with our management firm and, and the society is, is really very, very good. So those are a number of benefits that I can speak to. And Sue, you may have more that you can add to that. Yeah, Sue, I'm just thinking as John's talking, um, it, a lot of smaller associations really had a challenge with pivoting. Like they knew I was just on the phone with somebody earlier today and she had what was herself and then a couple contractors, but every time they had to do something significant in order to kind of stay alive or, or grow during these tough times, they didn't have the resources. So as John's talking, I think to me, one of the benefits would be to have not only just a management firm that can, um, can kind of scale with you, but also has a lot of different expertise on your team, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. So we were, um, it, we had already thought um, that there was a, a real need for um, associations to own their own content that they have, you know, that's happening at their meetings and to be able to use that content in different ways that, that become member benefits and, and value the society. And in 2018, we had um, already started what we call Veritas TV. And through Veritas TV, that was a, you know, it was all bringing meetings to, to um, a virtual environment. And um, so we were doing that already. And um, so when everything happened with COVID, for us, we already had the people in place and the, um, you know, the tech teams and everything that we could rely on really quickly. And so um, ABF definitely benefited from that without having to outsource and try to find um, you know, different companies to be able to set up these platforms. And I know, um, of course, what we ended up doing in 2020 and 2021 was um, far more advanced than what our initial thoughts were when we were starting Veritas TV. But just having the... Um, the staff to be able to pull that together so um, so quickly and, and really overnight in some cases, we um, I think that's a huge advantage to um, the the independent kind of executive director model. So um, you know our team right now we have over 50 employees and it is um, and all of those employees work on ABF in some capacity or another. And so being able to have a shared staff with an executive director that is employed by the association um, has, has really you know, benefited um, ABF. But I think it's, um, it's, it's really, really important to understand that um, the hybrid model isn't for everyone. You have to have the right players at the table in order to make it work. And, um, and I think you know, really those, um, the management company and the executive director have to be on the same team, regardless of where the paycheck comes from. I think that if, if you can do that, it's a huge number of benefits for the association. Yeah, can you kind of follow up on that? You know, you had mentioned it was kind of the first time that you, as, a, as for your company to, to 
engage in, in a relationship and this type of partnership um, with an executive director employed by the organ by the association. Can you, if somebody is kind of considering this sort of model, um, what would you think are some either lessons learned or challenges or things they need to think about before, um, you know, they go this route? Yeah, I think personalities are a huge um, factor. So um, this, in my opinion, only works because John and I can, um, you know, can kind of, you know, call each other and, and rumble as, you know, Brené Brown says, where we'll just be like, this isn't working for our team. This is what we need. And he'll say, this is what my leadership needs. And, and then we can, we can really work it out and come up with like the best results for the client. And it's only because we trust each other and we can, we know that we can be honest and transparent of where we're coming from and, and work that out. Now, I don't know how John feels about that, but I don't think that I could just say, no matter who you pick as your executive director, we could make this work. I think that you have to be really careful about that. You know, I very much agree with that. So it's about respect and trust. And from day one, I felt we had that. Um, and anytime there's been a challenge, Sue will say, we need to talk, or I will say, we need to talk, right? We pick up the phone and we talk, as opposed to flying emails around. It kind of mm -hmm. starts with emails and they are not healthy. Right. Finally get to the point where we got to talk. And every time we've talked, we've resolved the issue or the issues because of the trust that we have and the, the open lines of communication that we have. If we were simply on emails, it would just get more rigid, more separated, and we would end up not having the right outcome. So I think the, the uh, will at the top, the will for me personally as the of the ED to feel like Sue's organization is being successful managing us is important for me, right? So it's just it kind of reverse. A lot of mm -hmm. people won't care. They're just simply right. in this give, 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 give. No, I care that she's successful. I care that her team cares to work with us and wants to support us because that's what's going to make us healthy. So that, that trust, that respect, the chemistry, the ability to hold each other accountable and have those fierce conversations works for us. Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, those are some really important comments, especially, you know, picking up the phone. Nobody wants to do that anymore, right? Um, right. And, I, and I think, Sue, I've seen from my end, you know, I, I run a consultancy and we see people switching firms all the time. And I think it is, you know, because... As you mentioned, John, they see them as, okay, they work for me and they just need to do all of these things and be happy about it. <laughs> and yeah. it's not that give and take relationship. So I think your comments, both of you, are, you know, it's really important. I think as we're working with any partner or provider or whatever, sometimes you just got to pick up the phone, people, right? Yeah. <laughs> and have those, you know, critical conversations because as you said, you know, a lot of times that those can be worked out or people have just interpreted an email. You know, I have the, when I bring people on board, I have to remind people or tell them how I work. Cause I said, I'll just have something in my brain and I'll just send an email 
and it may not even make any sense. So just either ask me or call me or text me or something, because, you know, I, I'm doing 16 things at the same time, <laughs> you know, yeah. so, exactly. um, but I think, I think that's great. Go ahead, Sue. I think another, um, you know, important concept, if someone's considering this is to know that, um, that, you know, the representative from both sides, from the executive director, as well as from the um, administrative, administrative support side, have to be at the table when there's, you know, board, you know, related discussions that will involve the operations. Yeah. And when that happens, everybody feels a part of it. And it's, and the, you know, they're part of that core group, and they're really um, kind of committed to the success of the project, rather than, having an outside executive director come and say, here's what you need to do. Here's how it has to happen. And then they can't ask any questions because they're not with the, with the decision makers there. And it kind of feels like it's remote. So um, that's one thing that um, John has been really good about is always um, trying to include the appropriate different team members on the calls, you know, let's let's you know all get together and discuss this with the leadership, and um, and that really makes a difference because you know when you take away that kind of power play and everyone's just you know the real power is in the success of the organization, um, that makes it work. And I think that's probably the biggest struggle that um, management companies will have, as well mm -hmm. as executive directors that are employed by the association. That's great. Um, so you guys are coming from a little bit, two different perspectives for my, my next question. Um, you know, we've got, had gone through some trying times and, and John and Sue, you guys were able to help grow the organization during these, these, um, trying last, I don't know, year, 18 months. I can't even, I don't even know what the date is anymore. Um, but I guess from your perspective, what are some of the most important things that leaders can do right now to position their organizations for success? Um, I think it's about flexibility. We're, we are, many uh, medical societies are tied to history, to a way of governing and a way of processing their programs. I think, uh, this last 18 months forced us to be very, very different. For example, working at home. Mm -hmm. Most societies didn't have that going on like we do now. Creating, um, creating uh, virtual meetings or hybrid meetings um, and being, being flexible into the future. If, if we kind of go, we're gonna go back to only live meetings and not have the flexibility that we've learned through COVID about, well, hybrid meetings can work and virtual meetings can work. So how do we create that flexibility so things can happen in that, in that future state? I think member engagement is, is, a, is another challenge that we need to be thinking about in the future. Um, member engagement, I think in this new future post COVID has to look a little bit different. I don't have the answer to what that is right now, but we feel that through connecting our members to activities and getting them involved in society decisions and society work has been a huge thing. We have, we have a, 
770 members, 160 of them serve on committees. And I cut that down from 260 last year because some of those committee members weren't engaged. <laughs> so I said, why do you want all these people running around all these committees? Let's make sure that the people on committees are engaged and committed to that work. So I think uh, the governing structures need to be considered. The engagement of members needs to be considered. The programmatic things that we've done in the past need to have some flexibility uh, in the future. Um, and so leaders need to be thinking about those things. So an executive director or an association manager firm or board needs to be thinking about that future and having a vision for a different future that engages members in new ways that executes programs in new and different ways. And that moves away from that history that can be a bottleneck and can be an inhibitor of success. I don't mean all the history, I mean some of the history, some of the things that slow things down, right. reduce um, um, entrepreneurialism. Uh, for example, if, if we're just a, a, about a live meeting, then we wouldn't have had a meeting. Right? We said, we're not gonna have a meeting this year because we want a live meeting. So we had to move in those directions. So leadership has to have that vision of the future and be flexible enough to make changes so they can address that future. I'll give you another example um, from our society today or last night, both we had a foundation and a, uh, a society. And last night, both boards voted to merge, right? Talk about flexibility. I don't think pre-COVID with the rigidness of those structures, they would be all that flexible in saying, no, we want to be one, right? Because of all the things that they perceive might be lost. Nothing's getting lost, in my view. It can only be an upside. So I'm talking a lot here, but I think leadership with vision is very, very important and having flexibility. Great. Sue? I would say um, I agree with, with John's comments, but I also think that um, when you talk about member engagement, I, um, I do not think that um, membership should be taken for granted. Um, in the past, it was kind of a sure thing that you would get your members, especially for medical subspecialty organizations, um, they kind of had to belong back in the day. That is not happening um, anymore. It's definitely not a sure thing in you. Um, so you need to be able to create um, an experience that makes members feel good that they're a part of the organization. And whether they feel good because they're volunteering or whether they feel good because really good projects and, and um, research and activities are happening from the organization, either way, um, as long as they're feeling good and that's their experience, they're gonna to wanna to continue to, um, to be a member. And I, I think about it in the same way that I think about um, you know, my frequent flyer miles. I, I will only fly one carrier because I like how they make me feel. And the more, the more that, I, that I support them, the more that they make me feel better. You know? So I, um, I think that's what our job is as association leaders is to make sure that our members are, um, are really feeling that connection and feeling that, um, that they're important. And so how we do that and how we um, reimagine uh, the association in this hybrid world, what, you know, how you really make somebody who's watching the annual meeting virtually because they're in another country that can't, that can't come to the meeting, 
uh, is really important. It can't, you can't try and make it the same experience. It has to be something that's special and different. Yeah, I think we've lear learned our, uh, oh, this past year that everybody wants to consume or engage with us how they want to now, right? So um, we just recently had what I will call a hybrid meeting. We had people there in person that were extremely happy to be in person and networking. And then we had just as many people saying, eh, I don't wanna be in a room. I'll just consume the content um, remotely. And then we have others that said, well, that was great. I wanna consume the content, but this day doesn't work for me. So they'll be able to get to that content later. So it makes, I, there's definitely um, a lot of opportunities. It's been, I think, challenging for all of us to, to kind of get there. Um, but as, as you said, John, just to kind of, you know, wrap up here today that, you know, having that vision of who do we want to be and how are we engaging our members and how are we providing them with those benefits? Um, so I think all these things that you guys have said today about, you know, agility and vision and, um, you know, just that, that experience with us is really important. So I'll let you guys each say a, a final word before we wrap up, but I have to say, I'm really this has been a great conversation and I hope everybody um, uh, that's listening in has, has enjoyed the conversation today, but just to wrap up, John. You know, I think one thing I, I left off is the idea of, we had a strategic plan, we developed one. They had had one um, that they developed about seven or eight years ago. So when we did ours in 2019, it was five years old. And the president pulled out the plan used a yellow marker and marked the number of objectives that were achieved from that plan that was five years old. And he listed 10%. 10% was accomplished. Wow. We put together, and Sue was with us for a day and a half, a retreat of 19 of our leaders, five past presidents. And in less than about uh, about 14 months, we'd achieved 70% of the objectives we set out to achieve. And we didn't lowball those objectives. We set a pretty high mark for all those objectives. So having a strategic plan that includes a vision of where you want to get to and the ability to execute against that plan because you're measuring it is a very, very important part of, of our total success here. Yeah, and I would just add that, um, you know, having that that trust that's based on the um, strong, clear communication structure with um, with all of the, the leaders and the core support team is is really key. Great. Well, thank you guys so much for your time today. I know you're really busy and I appreciate you taking time out to share your experience and knowledge with the association community to help position them for success. Um, thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks, Sue. We hope you enjoyed this episode and discovered tips and information that will add value to your leadership style and your association. Dot.org Source specializes in positioning teams for success with solutions for technology, strategy, and marketing. Please contact us at info at orgsource.com or visit www.orgsource.com 
to find out how to keep your organization on track to Association 4.0.